Well, today it's my really special pleasure and honor to have Lukasz Gadowski on the Making It Real podcast. Lukasz is one of the core people that I know that really built up the Berlin ecosystem and really took it international and helped many than other companies scale internationally and making them big. Among them, initially he co-founded Spreadshirt. He is co-founder Team Europe. Uh, he was as well much involved in Studiverzeichnis, growing that one, one of the main social networks, having a massive market share in uh, the Dach region, Brands for Friends, Mr. Specs, iPotential, Hitfox, Gründerszene, Delivery Hero, the uh, list goes on and on. Uh, Lukas, I'm so happy to have you on the show tonight. Uh, and uh, actually, thanks for joining us. Um, will you tell us a bit about how you got started? Yes, into the entrepreneurship <laughs> like what was <laughs> what was your way to 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 know uh, to get it all going how, how did you start yeah 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 how did i start first first of all jan thank you for having me um uh, it's my my big pleasure and, and my big 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 honor and um, yeah um looking forward and happy how did i start so my path is like technology yeah the love for technology and the future i always say the future is the future and, um, and, and, and that's it, yeah, so, so progress. So the mission is like um, progress, progress for the, um, for, for the world and it's technological progress. And this is how I started out. And I wanted to, uh, as a teenager, I wanted to contribute to scientific progress of mankind. And then there've been like various um, venues how to do so. You could become a scientist, you could become a politician, I thought. Yeah. I checked this out for half a year to become a politician and uh, realized it was not for me. And then this was like this inventor entrepreneur. This was sort of like my um, my inspiration and my my, my goal. And then I started. Um, I picked my field of studies accordingly. Yeah, I married business with technology. The idea was like business is the craftsmanship to build a company, to build an organization, and technology is the the piece um, yeah, of inspiration, of progress, of basically that 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 enables to, to invent something, so to say. That was uh, my idea. Yeah? And then the first company indeed was, <clears throat> was not Spreadshirt. The first successful company was Spreadshirt. There've been a couple of companies, um, there were a couple of companies before that were not successful, very fast failure. Um, How old were you then, by the way, roundabout? This was, um, and again, like I, I picked my field of studies already with the goal to become an entrepreneur, right? So in the first, I think like in the second semester of my studies, I started the first, co-founded the first company. It was a consulting company, it was not successful. Then in the, in the fourth semester, I think I started the second one. This was supposed to be like a price comparison engine for mobile phones, also wasn't successful. And I also did like a student consulting pro projects on the side. Yeah? Uh, some of them have been, successful, some of them not. And then I had a lot of learnings under the belt. Um, and so when, when my third years of studies started, I, um, I founded uh, Spreadshirt first alone, because of this was one of the lessons learned from my earlier startups, um, that you don't necessarily start with, um, at least at least for me, this was not successful to start with my friends, to start with, um, with fellow students. Um, and yeah, so again, like the first, first, first to fail, starting with fellow students, more or less. Those are not complementary founder teams. You're all more or less like the same, and they, and and, and they learned just the hard way. And when I, then when I started Spreadshirt, I first did it myself, and then found my partner, 
Matthias is his name, like a great, um, great entrepreneur himself, and he was very complimentary to me. And this, and um, he was a very talented engineer. And I studied engineering, but I wasn't great at engineering. I was I was good at organizing stuff and good at leadership, I guess. Um, but he was a great engineer. He had like he was ten years older than myself. Yeah, you know, he, he's seen real companies from the inside, had real work experience, um, all of that. And also like from traits, from the character, we, 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 um, we are complementary. Yeah, In what sense more... would you describe yourself versus him, the Matthias? <clears throat> um, I was like a little bit more uh, aggressive, a little bit more optimistic and a little bit more creative. And he was a little bit like more, uh, more analytical, more, um, more thorough in, 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 in a sense, yeah. And I always wanted to work around. Let's get to, let's ship this feature fast. You know, we cannot do this, and, and let's do a workaround. Yeah, and then the balance of the two approaches uh, proved to be to be really great. And the decisions that we then that we then took, I think, with Spreadshirt, um, we executed um, we executed flawlessly. Yeah. So this is this is the first um, yeah, a, a first lesson learned, and one of the first lessons learned is is to how to pick your partners or your, um, or your co-founders to so have them be very complimentary. And you said you started initially alone and then you found him. How did you find him? So he was one of the first customers for Spreadshirt. He was running a website back then called .com <laughs> It was a funny website about like in this, in this whole um, um, internet bubble theme where where startups have been hyped a lot and then they started to disappear. There was um, there was a website like a community discussing like those disappearances and the failures. And he was a customer like selling t-shirts on this website. Yeah? And the, the, the first version, since I wasn't a great engineer, the first version of the website was super simple. It was really an MVP, minimum viable product. Yeah? There wasn't even bars and this was like 2001. So like the infrastructure was completely different when, than what we have today online. So. You could order one T-shirt. If you want to order two T-shirts, you have to place two orders. Mm. <laughs> there was one payment method, and uh, this was like um, a, or two payment methods. Either you pay me in advance, and then I ship, yeah? or you give me, your, in Germany, you give me your bank account details, and then, then I will, um, I would, how it's called, Einzugsermächtigung in German, <laughs> nice word. Like the, the, the amount is drawn from that bank account. No? And yeah. uh, then I can draw from your bank account, yeah? Mm -hmm. But um, but your bank details I would submit in the URL in the in the address line, right? So it's the most insecure way of transmitting your bank data, basically. And you I programmed that, or somebody else programmed that? This was uh, this was like a, um, a commission work by a web designer from 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 Berlin, and with also like a little bit of a collaboration. But like it was really super simple. Yeah, and then Matthias is the first customer. He basically complained. He was like, hey, this is insecure. You cannot do this. I want the basket. I want this. I want that. And I was like, yeah, I know. But and, and I, I, I would like to have it too, but I have no resources, et cetera. But I'm looking for someone. And this is how we started to talk. Yeah, and ended up being, um, being partners in, in Spreadshirt. Yeah? And today, it's, by the way, a great company. Like We have more than 1,000 employees. I'm, it's also interesting because if I never I, I, I sold a little bit a small stake to to investors, but I never exited it. And so um, Matthias and I are still majority shareholders of it. We're still board members. The company is now it's going to be twenty years old soon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so and it's a great company and it's like thousand employees. It's a profitable business and now we're. Um, 
we're, we're making it ready to to become a public company yeah? and it's uh, it's still growing so also one of the learnings is um, don't sell companies yeah and that's yeah don't sell Which companies a fascinating journey as well. How did you come up with the uh, idea then for Spreadshirt early on? This first idea where you said, okay, let's do that. Let's sell t-shirts on like printed t-shirts. <clears throat> so um, I call it, yeah, you, 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 you get ideas if you expose yourself to the real world. So basically it came out of my consulting, um, still being a student consulting and, and just being like being active. Yeah? And one of my clients was a t-shirt textile printer. And there's where, where I seen like the domain. So then I married like computer science, computer engineering, the internet with the problems of a textile printer. And single pieces, fast turnaround, um, high quality. So like high quality prints, uh, single pieces on demand and very efficient backend. Yeah? Um, because of the, the textile printers, they would hate a, a one-off order. They would not like to do this. They like to sell you 100 t-shirts, 200 t-shirts, 1,000 t-shirts, one t-shirt they don't like. How, how can they price it? Yeah, for them, it's a lot of overhead. So we streamlined the processes. But the idea came um, came out of um, being exposed to real world um, problems. Yeah, and, and this, you... this is also maybe one one, one pattern that, that's very important that guides me as an entrepreneur. It's like to create lasting value, to really create value, and this is this is a driving force. And at the beginning, I said um, my goal was like to contribute to scientific progress of mankind. That's a very noble goal, right? I wanted to create. I want to create value, and um, and I believe that this is the least risky path to success is to create a genuine long-term value. And because if you have so many risks as an entrepreneur, and and so basically doing the right thing helps and de-risks and gives you a lot of um, tailwind, a lot of support. I call it from the universe. Yeah, the universe is then, the karma yeah. almost. We had the, the karma, karma the universe. Yeah, and yeah. I think like the the most admired entrepreneur today is probably Elon Musk, or one of the most admired. And, and I think this proves the point. Yeah, he was doing the right thing, and then in the right moments, he had the tailwind of the um, of the of the of the universe. Yeah? And again, if there's there's so much risk, maybe something is a short term fad, etc. But um, if you're doing the right thing and solve real problems for for society, um, yeah, at the beginning with a business model. Later on, once you're a successful businessman, you can do um, philanthropy. You should probably do always a little bit of philanthropy on the side already, just to get, yeah, just to keep the muscle growing. <laughs> but like later on, you can do it without a business model at the beginning of your careers, unless you're very wealthy and you inherited all the wealth from from, from I don't know. Your, your family <laughs> or somebody right? <laughs> typically it should be your family i don't know where else you should inherit it um but um yeah to to yeah you start with something that that, that has a business model and it solves um, uh, a real world problem and this is this is today also what keeps guiding me as an as, as an entrepreneur yeah so today with team europe we're we're trying to solve um, big problems yeah? and which big problems are you currently focusing on a lot? So there, there, there are three or four, yeah? It gets complex since this is such a complex group, but like <clears throat> one of them is I call personal aviation as a service. Some people call it the urban air mobility or air taxis, basically flying instead of driving with a car. And this creates a, a, a nice dynamic. Um, for example, you no longer need roads. 
Yeah, so you don't need to destroy nature and, and pave roads. You have like sort of like more freedom, more flexibility, etc. <clears throat> the reason why we have cars and, and, and not um, yeah, personal aviation devices, let's call them, and they're not really airplanes, is just because if we, we, we lack the technology and now the technology is there. And, um, and for me, you mentioned like at the beginning, all the businesses that I've been involved with and um, the biggest success was Delivery Hero. Delivery Hero today is like a 30 billion company, yeah? uh, not 30 billion dollars, right? So today it's 28 billion. Might be growing, you know, as well. Yeah, yeah. Those are changes. It's a public company changes. Yes. The, the government's just printed a lot of money, right? So like everything is a little bit, everything got a bump. So, just, so why, I'm, why I'm telling that is because I'm looking for the next order of magnitude. This is also one lesson learned. As an, as an entrepreneur, I, I was I always try to, to for something to be interesting, it's the next level, and the next level is 10x. Yeah, um, and so so that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for opportunities that can be like 100 billion or beyond uh, as a milestone. Also, again, like as I said, like there's no exit. Those should be like independent companies um, per per se. And in this um, personal aviation uh, field, I see that this is um, that, that this has this uh, potential. So. Uh, at Team Europe, we have a portfolio of technologies um, around that. Um, mm. And if we go deep on that one, uh, you know, you're chairman of uh, Volocopter, for example. Well, uh, no, uh, aviation. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Yeah, maybe before we before we go before we go deep, like I, I, I arrived there because of I thought like after delivery, I wanted to go back to like more deep tech and like what is the pattern and what is, what is my role in this ecosystem. And the pattern is that, like, um, as Europeans, we're, we're, we didn't do a great job in building very large companies, starting with the computer era. Yeah? The only large company from the computer era that I'm aware of is SAP. Maybe there's also ARM, the chip maker, um, yeah? from, from, but it's no longer public, so I don't know, I don't have the insights. Then from the internet era, there's barely anything. Yeah, so mm -hmm. there's Spotify, Spotify there's, exactly. there's, yeah, but it's it's below 100 billion, right? And Delivery Hero is below 100 billion. And um, and if you look to, to Asia, if you look to United States, they have companies that have, they're worth a few hundred billion, they're worth trillions, right? So like we, we, we missed that. And um, the ingredients to build such companies, there are like a few ingredients. One of them is again, technology, um, resources, talent, educated people, people who listen to this um, podcast or etc. engineers. And then the other ingredient is also like capital markets, entrepreneurship, the, the business skills, the business culture. Yeah? And, and I think here, this is where I can provide value, where I can provide value for society, because if I'm interested in technology, I have respect for technology. Um, but Relatively speaking, um, I'm experiencing business culture and I'm experiencing capital markets. And so this was the idea, zoom out, okay, let's build like um, companies, um, European companies that can take global, utilizing the resources that we have, the great talent, the great culture, yeah, the culture of being inclusive, um, liberal, all, all that makes, <laughs> makes Europe great and the, and the role, role model and interesting, so to say. And, um, yeah, and Volocopter was was the first investment um, in, in in this batch, but like derived from there, I, I found more real world problems that need a solution. 
and, and in the end they coincide with what the big problems are today for the globe for society and one of the big problems that has our attention obviously is the, the greenhouse gas emissions and, and global warming yeah and it happens that like all these flying cars they they're too heavy because batteries are heavy yeah for a car it's not so much of a problem to have a too heavy battery for a personal aviation vehicle it is you know? most of the cars by the way they drive very short distances so this range anxiety yeah how how often a week you go a few hundred kilometers with your car no you don't usually you commute and this is by the way we also did one of the scooter companies uh, um, sure. and have a put yeah circ have a portfolio of scooters companies now so uh, we're investors in mainly in bird but also like um, small investors in, in, in voy also have uh, miles mobility that's a car sharing company also a great company in our portfolio um, and, and others to come. So, but this was now, mm -hmm. now, now the, the digressing, yeah? So <clears throat> the batteries are too heavy um, for those personal uh, vehicles. So we need different solutions. It's either combustion again. Yes, then, then you have the greenhouse gases or it's going to be hydrogen. Yeah? So derived from this problems, we found another untapped, um, very large market that can sustain like a hundred billion plus company and 100 billion always the milestone remember it's not the end goal it's just the milestone just the goal post mm -hmm. <laughs> and then we keep going after that and this is um, this is what i call clean commercial aviation and basically how to make commercial aviation clean like all this like i don't know this um, regional jets like when you zigzag through europe or you go transatlantic etc and here hydrogen probably is the is, um, is this one solution yeah. And this like dabbling like with this whole energy uh, field brought us like to its third field. And this is um, what I call clean, abundant energy. And um, clean, abundant energy starts with renewables. Right? So here we have with NPAL, it's a great company in Germany. We have solar in our uh, portfolio. It's a, it's a consumer player for solar. We make it very easy for homeowners to get their own, um, own solar. It's a company growing very fast. Um, but then also beyond that, discovered the field of uh, nuclear energy. Yeah? So we have a portfolio of nuclear energy investments now. Um, one of them in fission, so like splitting the atom, and one of them in fusion, so fusing um, uh, fusing atoms. And maybe I start with the with the fusion one. And this, this again, like all the lenses, like to yeah, to create this lasting value and and. And, and solve real world big problems, so to say, and really contribute to, to a change. So this fusion thing is amazing. I mean, like we're talking about the dawn of the fusion age, right? This is like the James Watts, the steam engine, and um, totally, yeah. But and the computer age, and now now we're talking we're talking fusion, yeah. And um, people work on this like since since many many years, and this is a fascinating story because the. They work on it for many, many years, but like the approaches um, uh, uh, are, are too hard. It's sort of like not realistic. Those are like very, I don't know, like it's always 30 years away. Yeah? Those are like this, this big magnetic confinement uh, and machines. There's one they built in, uh, in South of France by an international consortium. I don't know. They already invested 10 billion or, or more. And they want to invest another 20 billion and then it's net energy gain and it's this is just a demonstrator it's still not the real thing and they expect it in 20 years um <clears throat> what professor heinz hora and this is the name of the founder 
um, came up with, and he's a theoretical physicist. He did this like all his life. He's 89 years old, yeah. So this is like my the, the oldest founder, <laughs> the oldest partner, and and, and we started with. But um, um, he came up with the with the um, laser boron fusion, yeah. So you don't fuse hydrogen, you fuse um, you fuse a proton with boron, and uh, and you use lasers, not the big magnetic fields, etc. So it's a much simpler approach, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the science is already. Um, um, already proven so it's I mean there's still technological risk that is significant yeah we believe we have a 50% chance but hey 50% chance for the dawn of the fusion age is um, pretty good odds mm-hmm. but seems then really quite some development no from this really quick to market where you can have revenues really quickly now you're in spaces where it does really take quite some tech development first some fundamental even almost research how much time to market do you there typically expect now in, in these till you can actually sell the first product? Yeah, it's a complex, uh, complex world. Interesting. Maybe I answered it with going to the second one, the splitting the atom fission. Yeah. So there is like I I, I observed two patterns. There, there are about like 100, 150 um, personal aviation device companies right now. Yeah urban air mobility 100 150 maybe 200 like depends how you count maybe like 20 of them are well funded and somewhat would you would you consider serious and they will bring the product to market so we have about 20 companies in in, in this batch and i see the same pattern in next generation nuclear splitting the atom splitting the atom in a safe way splitting the atom with um, little waste with a much uh, um, much less long-lived waste and much less toxic waste. Yeah? And here I see the same pattern. There are about 100 companies right now building the uh, nuclear reactors of the next generation. So it's not like just like one company, it's not two, it's not five, it's not 10, it's like 100. Um, and, and maybe again, like 15, 20 of them are somewhat serious. And here we picked one that has the, they, they start to talk to customers now. They don't have, they didn't build a reactor yet. They didn't certify a full reactor yet. They went, went to the first play, phase, but they want to have customers early. And the roadmap says um, five years then to market to have the first reactor shipped. And in that sense, ship is quite literally because of the, the company's name, it's seaborg.co. They build those reactors on, on energy barges on ships. Yeah? So, um, and that, that solves a few problems. It solves regulatory problems, but it also solves then scaling problems and how to distribute it, et cetera. Imagine from a regulatory perspective, you want to build a nuclear power plant, you have to apply for the land, find land, this and that. And here you just put it on the ship and, um, and bring it wherever you need. And you're also like sort of flexible. And again, when we think nuclear, we think like, oh, dangerous waste, et cetera. That's that's also fascinating to see how our perception and how how facts are sometimes like played wrong and like when you when you look at at the details of an industry how perverted sometimes is. So in that case, for example, the existing nuclear designs they make a lot of money with the nuclear waste. 
Yeah, because of the storage of it is very expensive. Mm. When the storage of something is very expensive, it means someone's making a lot of money. Yeah? So mm. the existing nuclear designs, they don't even have an incentive to come up with this um, less long-lived things. Yeah? So, so they even prevented innovation in um, nuclear reactor designs now for years and years and years. And um, so this perception that nuclear is dangerous and there's always a lot of ways this is wrong. And, um, and we, we see now more and more people and groups getting it. And even um, little, she's no longer little because she turned 18 now. Um, uh, Greta uh, is, a, is, is an advocate of next generation nuclear. So this, that tells us something. Yeah? Mm -hmm. um, so, but back to your question, yeah, five years. And it's a long time to market. The interesting thing is that there are always nice milestones on the way. So it's not like that, oh, you have to wait for five years and in between there's nothing. Yeah? In between you get, I don't know, like the ABS approval, American Bureau of Shipping approved Seaborg's reactor. In between you get um, Hyundai signed a um, uh, letter of understanding to build the ships, etc. Yeah, So you, you have all these milestones, the goalposts that are clearly progress. Ultimately, whether you're successful or not, is you need to ship the product or in that case a reactor or a flying car <laughs> or like a personal aviation device. But, but, but even here, if you want to have like personal aviation devices about our cities, the first revenue that we're going to see and the first um, applications is not even for transport. The first applications are going to be for uh, experiential entertainment. Basically, you take a joyride, basically you take a spin. Mm -hmm. There's one company in our portfolio in the United States called Lift Aircraft. They're working on it. And there's one other in Marseille in southern France called Zapata Racing. They're doing the same. So, um, I mean, not the same in, in the sense of um, the vehicles are the same. Um, they're very different, but they target the same market, experiential um, entertainment. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of revenue with with that, and not enough to build like this 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 100 billion, but enough to make revenue and finance your R&D. Yeah? So you not only depend on investors, but but, but you learn why you have real customers earn money, and you can imagine wherever you are. Imagine like a like a quiet device that has like a few rotors. It's like a man carrying drone. It's safe. You sit in it. And how much would you pay for, for take a spin for 10 minutes? You can fly a few hundred meters high, 10 minutes, you can fly around. Um, it's somehow geofenced. Yeah, it has like all the emergency measures, et cetera. A lot of people are going to do this. And you're not only going to do it once, you're going to do it, some of us are going to do it multiple times. Yeah, because if it's different fly about Barcelona, for example, it's just beautiful to see the city from above, right? And, but if you're in, in Spain, as I'm now, for example, it's different beauty. So that's why experiential entertainment is. Mm -hmm. Are you just focusing on those three areas, these like different uh, areas or as well the classical, let's say, be, internet? No, that would be too much, right? That would be totally boring and it's like too little. <laughs> no, just, <clears throat> just joking. I, I also have, um, have what I... Yeah, so, so my, my heritage comes with Spreadshirt. I'm still board member of Spreadshirt, so I'm still active there. And um, Miles Mobility is, is, is the company we have um, with, with delivery here. I'm still shareholder there. And I recently also invested in Volt, which is um, like a food delivery company in the Nordics, Israel, Japan. 
and now also Germany. So there's a little bit of this, um, this yeah, just, just, just heritage. Yeah, we just invented in Mirai Foods, it's an artificial meat, non-GMO, lab-grown, non-GMO meat, because of all the others are like, like are GMO, so we have non-GMO, Mirai Foods, um, great company. So there's, there's still a portfolio of, um, of bees. And in my experience, the, uh, it's sort of like an ecosystem almost. Yeah? And um, the conventional wisdom is focus. And at some point, just the focus, it was like with Deliver Hero, we built an ecosystem around it. And all of the companies that you mentioned before, in the end, they coalesced in, in, in creating this, this, this giant, right? And um, yeah, so, so that's, that's, the, that's the pattern that, that we're playing here at Team Europe to, to have an ecosystem um, of, of companies. Yeah? Mm -hmm. What's the first, if people feel, hey, I, I see this big value that I can create in, a, in an area that can be just gigantic because it addresses one of the biggest human mankind problems. Do you then have like a game plan also to make it them that big? Like if we take yeah, delivery- that's maybe, that's maybe an interesting question uh, or an interesting point because of, I mean, like for me, I have now to go after the biggest problems, right? Because if I want, I want to go to the next level and I already mm -hmm. was lucky enough and fortunate enough to be successful. So, so A, I can afford it. B, for me to be meaningful, I have to do it. But you start with small problems. I don't have to, you don't start with solving all the work problems. You start with being successful and then you go from success to success. I mean, my first company was uh, printing t-shirts. It's, it's a great product and I'm proud of it. And it's, um, it's a very peaceful and and cool and creative product, but it's not solving um, the world's problems, right? Now mm -hmm. we may be going to because of like, we're also going to innovate the industry in terms of sustainability, etc. So we contribute, yeah? But it's not the big thing. T-shirt, yeah? Another, yeah, just, but, but it gets me into the game. Another example was you mentioned Gründerszene, which is like Germany's uh, magazine about entrepreneurship. It started as my personal blog. And it didn't start because of I said like oh I, now I want to blog because of I want whatever feel important or, or this or that. Um, I did it because back then in 2001, um, after the internet bubble burst and Grundasin I think was 2004 2005 I started it. There was no entrepreneurial ecosystem, and in Germany you're German so you know it German German business is based was based on creating distance and hierarchy. Yeah. It was like the you versus the Z. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a formal form for you. Yeah? So you, you, in English, we just have you, but in, in Germany, you have do, which is informal, or we have Z, which is like formal, creates distance, indicates hierarchy and all of that. And there was not a lot of transparency there. there yeah? and, and this is how Gründerszene started. I wanted to solve the problem of bringing the people together and foster this entrepreneurial um, ecosystem. This was my, this was my motivation. Yeah? And when you have, when you start with, you know, with this motivation to solve a real problem, then, then again, the universe takes care of the rest because of it really filled the void. And um, it was quite beautiful. We did like this, this video interviews, like spinning around and saying like, where bist du? Was machst du? Who are you? What do you do? And this informal you. And then on a video, a format of video allowed us to show a person and, and now, for example, you see myself also in a video. So, so you see, it's richer than text, right? You see my character, you see my movements and, and, and you get a sense, oh, do I click with this guy or do I don't, right? Some people click with each other, others, others don't. And this, 
this was the idea behind um, behind Gründersthema. But the point is like, start small, create some value, solve some problem. Um, obviously, you want it to be some somewhat scalable, right? Um, like a magazine would be a good example of being scalable, a T-shirt platform um, also. But but don't start with trying to solve all the world's problems from the outset. But maybe also do. I mean, like this is even better if you can. <laughs> Depends to, a bit. No, yeah. I, do, I do not want to. I do not want to discourage you. I just say like um, every path is different, right? Mm. That might be. It might be definitely okay to start with a, a a project that has a more immediate maybe way to market to build it up to learn in the process and then start a much bigger route. Arguably, or so. No, could be different things or one that says, "Hey, I'm an engineer. I have this nuclear physicist. I'm one of the best. I have a unique approach that we can fund it. Let's do it." No, yeah, various ways. Um, and in terms of then, if we briefly outline, and as well, it depends a bit then on the type of venture. And so what would you say, uh, if we take the, the, the core mistakes that people are doing, what would you say, these things I see over and over and that's just not a way to do it? Premature scaling. We just talked about it today with, with another entrepreneur, premature scaling. Uh, people often very hire too fast. At some point they get the big check and then now we have to grow, now we have to hire people and then they end up hiring too fast. Yeah. And then you, then you keep, as an entrepreneur, you keep yourself busy with hiring the people. Then you need to select them. Um, and often the problem is not enough time, put time into selecting those. So there's, a, there's the who method. So we at Team Europe follow the who method. It's like top grading, top scoring, et cetera. There's uh, this, great, um, this, this great book. Um, it's called Who, the E method for hiring. I think the name, I just look it up here. Uh, Joff Smart yeah, um, uh, wrote it. So, so, so we we're using this. So, so a invest a lot of time like how to select your people. B don't hire like um, too many too fast because of this distracts you from your real job. Your real job is usually building a product, getting customers, getting findings, all this stuff. And then you end up um, entertain and we say like entertaining the Spaß. We said in Germany, I remember entertaining those new hires that you have. Yeah? And then at some point you realize, oh man, I. I I hired too much, I hired too fast, my burn is too fast, uh, um, too high, I cannot finance it. And since I was, was distracting myself so much with those people topics, um, it's even worse because of then I'm lagging behind in my other priorities. And now you have to let them go again, yeah, which is like painful. And um, so, so this we see over and over again, yeah, this premature, um, premature hiring. So you want to grow your organization gradually. I just said like, um, um yeah there's a there's a great company it's called x shore yeah like the x and the shore they do electric boats in sweden so europe is invested there and we talked with the entrepreneur and he's experienced yeah? he's an experienced a manager and and they're in hyper growth now yeah and, and and his um his criteria was like he said like well i think we can double every year without compromising on quality and this is what will determine our pace yeah he didn't say like, oh, you have to grow four times and double is already a lot. Yeah? Mm -hmm. You could do this for a few years. And, and again, this, um, this person, Oscar is his name, is seasoned. So, um, so, so he knows uh, sort of like what he's talking about. If you're a younger entrepreneur, I would probably even discourage you from double. Double might be okay from going to, to, from two to four to eight, maybe to 16, mm -hmm. but beyond 16, you probably don't want to double. Um, or at least be very careful. So this is a common mistake. 
What is a clear indication for you that you say now, now is actually a time to scale then? What would be like a few check marks there to check for? Scale, yes, but like the question is like how fast, like premature scaling. I don't know, like it's, it's a good question. Um, it's a good question. So classical like product market fit, we're checking out, you know, like customer retention metrics and... No, no it's, it's more about like the organization, right? How comfortable are you with the organization? How mm -hmm. well you know the people? How much are you, do you feel in control? How little surprises they are, yeah? How, how fast can you also grow as an entrepreneur, etc. And every situation is dramatically different. Yeah? Sometimes you strike gold, it depends on the business models. I mean, there are really so many, um, so many factors. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it is a very complex, uh, complex place. Yeah, it's different in the U.S. than it's in Europe. It's um, different in Asia, etc. Yeah, it's different whether you're in a hot space where there's a lot of capital versus um, it's not hot. Sometimes it's good to be um, anti-cyclical. Sometimes it's it's good to to lead a right away. Sometimes it's good to be a pioneer. Sometimes you want to be a follower. So there is no one size. Um, fits its all answer yeah but um, maybe one advice that is good when you have the money don't necessarily spend it people sometimes think like oh i have to justify it from investors that i that i need to spend this money no investors are happy if you take money and don't spend it investors are happy at least they should be the good investors are and there are also bad investors who who like you to see the money gone because of then they can invest more um, this is this is not a healthy Thing that helps to build our ecosystem, by the way, but they exist. Yeah? And this also also one thing that that, that my experience is like the who is your investor is very important. And not every dollar is equal. It's very important who the dollar comes from, and and that um, that that the people who provide the dollar have experience and a growth mindset, and uh, because of it can make such a dramatic difference and mm -hmm. i've seen i've seen companies literally destroyed by, by investors many multiple times many times over when we started delivery hero we started with four board seats for ourselves and we added one investor you got one board seat just to make sure to keep majority a long time because if we see we, we, we've seen so many screws up screw ups before and brands for friends you mentioned brands for friends. nobody knows brands for friends we sold it for 150 million dollars or euros, which was a great deal back then. But like it could have been a billion plus company. Uh, why? Sorry, guys. Sorry, folks. But poor investors. Hmm. All right. You know, so, I mean. And how, how do you know if you to pick a good investment advisor on that one for people that are now looking for finance or so? No, do your homework, yeah. Um, I mean, one thing, always reference checks. Same if when you hire people. When you hire people, reference checks. Yeah? Even when you hire young people, reference checks. Who are their friends? Talk with them. Uh, and same with investors, reference checks. And you also want reference checks, blind reference checks. Not only the three guys who, do, who, who he did provide you, you want to find challenging, tough situations, right? So, um, yeah, the problem is that many people don't have the luxury to pick their investor sometimes, right? So... Yeah, go with your gut, so to say, when you feel when you when you when you when you feel great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe no, it's about uh, like time-wise. We're coming towards the end. Uh, we will definitely do a follow-on. I think there's so much more as well to learn about scaling as well and focusing on that. But for the ones that are at the very early stages, they might still be at the university or still have this job, and they're thinking about starting their own company. 
um, any any help for them to decide should I now actually do it or should I keep doing what I currently do and not not actually wait? I mean, like one one great way of do stuff is like interns. Do like three months interns. Do a few of them and do them. Try to do them with like great entrepreneurs who are relatively early, where you can be close to the entrepreneur himself or herself, or maybe when there are companies at, at yeah. Try to get like these perspectives, and, and at some point you have um, yeah, you have enough experience. So don't pay yourself for your um, <laughs> for the experience that you need. Don't let your investors pay. Um, just join, observe, and, and and learn first, and then at some point you sort of like feel um, feel, feel feel ready. Yeah, I think like um, internships is is the best um, MBA. That you can have out there out compliments in ABA, MBA, so to say. Yeah. If you finish your MBA and you look for your first job, think twice. Maybe you rather do an, it would be very unusual. I haven't seen anyone doing that, but like, um, why don't you take one more year and say, like, okay, and this year I have three times, uh, four times three months, I do four internships through the roof. Your network will grow, you will see different perspectives, etc. So this would be. This would be one, and you also will get ideas exposed to ideas when you when you select uh, the fields according to to the domains that um, that are of interest to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I think no really useful advice as well. Really, the big picture were the big focus areas, and maybe we have here and there a listener that says, "Okay, that's an area of watcher that says that's for me. I want to do it." Lukas, thanks so much for taking your time and sharing these insights, and we're excited to see you moving forward. And all the best for that. Yeah, thanks a lot again and um, yeah, um, looking forward. Thanks, appreciate it.